2: Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. Listening to The Confessionals, I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. I know it works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member. Members get access to bonus shows every Thursday. You get the access to the archive of member shows, and that's all available on the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, and the Castos app. Once you become a member, you'll gain access to that app with all the content right there. And you get access to overtime content, which today is one of those days. We have an overtime show today. So if you want to get access to today's overtime show, become a member, go to the confessionalspodcast.com and hit join. Also, friends, go ahead and check out preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Get yourself emergency supply food for the emergency that is coming that we never know when it's going to arrive. But when it arrives, you're going to be happy that you have the emergency supply food. That's emergency supply food. You can get that at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. All right. As I mentioned, we have an overtime show today. We have Stephanie coming on the show. Interesting story about Stephanie is Her and I interviewed about two years ago. And then shortly after I interviewed her, I had to change some hard drives. I go through a ton of hard drives. I got a lot of videos and audio that I'm working with, with my show and other shows. And so I copy the ones that haven't been aired yet to the new hard drive. But the problem is I missed one. I missed Stephanie's. And I just so happened to be going through an old hard drive, looking for some files for some artwork and stuff. And I stumbled across her interview. I was like, holy cow, I never aired, I never aired that interview. So I texted her right away. I said, listen, in the next few months, your interview is going to air. I just got to figure out when, but I'm sorry. And she was fine with it. Today is a great show because Stephanie comes on to talk about her personal paranormal experiences, but also about how this show helped transition her into ministry. You see, she was listening to episodes. 227 with Hector. We've talked about Hector on the show before. It was a member show, and a lot of people have been contacting Hector over the years, and she was one of them. Well, she actually joined the ministry, and we actually interviewed other people in the past who have joined that ministry. And after joining the ministry, her and Hector both felt like God was telling them that she was supposed to take over the ministry and lead it. Hector's still involved, but she's leading the ministry, and she comes on today to talk about her personal paranormal experiences, the prayer ministry they're doing, and we get into a lot of deep conversation on this episode and in The Overtime. So let's get to Stephanie right now. All right. Today we got Stephanie on the show. Stephanie, how are you? Good. Good. So uh, Stephanie, you have been listening to the show for a very long time. When I saw your email name, I was like, oh, I remember her like she's been around a long time. So thank you very much for sticking with the show for so long.
0: Yeah, one of my favorites.
2: I appreciate it. Uh, So, Stephanie, you emailed uh, a, a while back and you kind of gave a very brief summary of your experiences and you said you just weren't ready to talk about it yet. And since then, uh, through prayer and, you know, just comfortability, you're now ready to talk about these experiences. Uh, your email has tons of different experiences and details. And, and even from, so we got the paranormal stuff, uh, the you dealing with going into witchcraft, Satanism, New Age, dealing with Ouija boards, mediums, things like that, uh, to you coming out of that and becoming a born again Christian around 2012 ish. But you're, you also have these experiences with, um, which it all, it's all perspective as to how you view these things, but you have these experiences where like little scampering, uh, little people scampering around my house. Uh, you saw a gargoyle on your neighbor's roof. And some of these, you contribute to more spiritual vision, but then you have things like, saw a plant being across the street, which you said was a physical thing. And so there's a lot of different things, possible B.E.K.'s. Your husband has even seen small creatures running around. And uh, also, you are now involved with Hector's ministry, which sounds like you are now going to be heading it up, which I find interesting. If if I'm mistaken in that, you go ahead and correct me. Uh, But anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know who Hector is, uh he's from episode 227 it was a member show and it was a very fascinating show because hector um very much believes uh in the power of prayer and healing and even before we started the recording he prayed for my brother and i cuz jack was in the studio with me and jack's shoulder was healed before we even started the podcast recording and so hector uh was like an instant fan favorite when people found that show and stuff, and uh, now you're working in the same ministry, which I find really cool too. So I'm gonna uh, backtrack though, and we're gonna start we're gonna start talking about your paranormal experiences. Uh, we're probably gonna dive into the childhood, and uh, we're gonna kind of navigate these waters the best we can. And just before we started recording, you had said that you forgot to put one thing in there, which is something that I just want to start with because it seems like a good starting point because, you know, what's what's better to start at than at the very first day you were born? Well, we got a memory of you talking to Jesus before you were born. So that's even better. So uh, I think that's a good spot to, to jump into. And... uh Let's go. Where where do we go from here?
0: Um, let's see. Well, I remember talking with Jesus, Yosha, um, and he came to me asking me if I would be Alana's mom, my oldest daughter. Um, he said, it's not going to be easy, but I would like you to be her mom. And I said, okay, I will be her mom. And then there was a group of me and other moms. We were all to be moms. and. She was gathering us all and asking, okay, who wants to be this one's mom? This was Cyan. And who wants to be her mom? And I was looking around. Nobody was uh, taking up that call. And I said, well, why not? You know, I can be her mom too. And he said, you sure it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And I said, yep, let's do this. Um, it wasn't like a long memory, but I remember seeing like clouds and blue and white, and he was tall. And I can't imagine why I would make up something like that. It feels feels like a memory.
2: I understand. Uh, so, because I I don't think I even mentioned the fact that you do have memory gaps in your life, uh, and sometimes they come back to you. And uh, we'll get into that and how you attribute these memory gaps uh, in a little bit uh, now. So this memory that you have seems like, did you know the child's name then through this memory? Like, did he, like, was a name already given to the child or is that something that like you actually gave to the child, your daughters?
0: Um, those were the names I actually gave to them. Um, I can't remember specifically if he called their name. I don't think so. I think it was more, he had them in his hand. He had them, my daughters in, in his hand. I say, will you be... Their mom, her mom. Um, and I said, yeah, yeah. Like it was just, and it's not even like, I remember there's individuals like beings, but I don't remember, oh, It's kind of hard to describe, like just clouds and bright and peaceful and, and robe, like a long robe in his hand. He's like, will you be her mom?
2: So, and the image of Jesus Now, there wasn't like a a very detailed image to your memory. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Correct. Correct. I remember like long flowing hair, but not super long, like maybe shoulder length, brown or dark, just a darker brown, Um, like skin color. I don't even remember.
2: I find it really interesting because I have this, I don't know if we should call it a theory or a thought, but. I've heard plenty of people's experiences, whether on the show or I've heard it on, you know, different podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever, of uh, people, you know, dying, going to hell, going to heaven, having an experience where they came face to face, to face with Christ or, um, the Godhead. And when you have these experiences re- relayed back, when they come back, there's plenty of times where they describe the physical attributes different than the former person or the next person. And there are people who who question authenticity when they hear somebody say, like, uh, we had uh, I think his name was Jason and his wife were on the show and he had something happen like that where uh, and he came on the show and relayed it. And he I think if I remember correctly, he said that it, Jesus looked like the guy in the, that, that movie or whatever. And I know there mm-hmm. were people that were like, well, that, that's impossible because Jesus was. Uh, from the Middle East. So he wouldn't have looked like that. He wasn't, you know, white Jesus, this, that, and the other. And I started thinking, how is it possible that people have these experiences and they don't have the same description of Christ physics, physically? But then I started thinking, okay, well, let's see if the answer's in the Bible. And we see throughout the, with, with Christ's resurrection, the people who knew Christ the best didn't recognize him when he was, when he was rose from the grave. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that he looked a certain way, got, you know, pummeled, beat up, physically destroyed. And then his body in three days was healed. He walked out of the tomb and looked like the same old Jesus that they remembered. He looked completely different to the point that Mary thought he was, I think, the gardener of something like that, if I remember correctly. And the disciples were like, he comes up alongside, them and they're like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Oh, we lost our friend." And they spend time walking with him, telling him Jesus that they lost Jesus. And it wasn't until they realized who they were talking to that they broke down. And so, to me, I, I wonder if there's this thing where somebody who is, you know, born and raised in Africa, let's say, you know, um, I don't know, Kenya, just totally different culture but they, they know about Jesus Christ, they're Christians, their mental image of Christ would be very similar to what they know around them out of comfort. That happens a lot with people. You know, They, they picture Jesus the way their society and culture they're, they're comfortable with is around them. And so would Jesus Christ have any opposition to appearing before people in the most comfortable manner for them? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. So it's just a thought that I had. And when you said what your experience and the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of detail kind of makes me th- feel like, well, yeah, no, lot, not a lot of detail because you weren't born into any, any, you weren't born yet. So you don't have any experience of, you know, where on planet Earth are you going to be living? The people around you, what, what does a human being look like? You know, things like that. So uh, it would make sense to me that there would be no real clear image of Christ in that moment. But I don't know, lots of theories, lots of theories.
1: Yeah.
2: So um, let's talk about your childhood. It seems like you had a lot of um, different things, maybe difficulties uh, while you were sleeping from night terrors to waking up on the floor um, waking up with razor thin cuts on your body. Uh, very, very interesting thing. So if you could just kind of go into your childhood and some of these experiences and share with us, you know, what happened?
0: Um, let's see. I would always have nightmares, uh, where I'd wake up either screaming or yelling, or I would even hit myself awake, (laughs) not on purpose because that hurts. Um, nobody would sleep in the same bed as me like my sister wouldn't sleep with in the same bed with me because I'd kick her um I'd kick the walls um I would have nightmares about aliens and zombies before even all the zombie movies um all kinds of weird weird things um but yeah I would wake up with cuts on my arms and legs and have no idea how um at the time we didn't have like cats or nothing sharp on my bed to cause that while I'm sleeping. So there would be no reason to have those cuts. Um, I would wake up sometimes outside of bed, um, like facing a wall. So my, my parents would make fun of me and uh, say that I would sleepwalk and run into the walls when they, they don't know if I really did. Um, but they would always find me on the floor somewhere in like the hallway or another room. Um, so it makes me wonder if I did sleepwalk or I would even fly in my sleep so levitate. Um, I remember flying, flying around like the schoolyard or downstairs. Um, I could jump down a flight of stairs because I could fly down them. Um, so I'm wondering if I was actually levitating and would wake up elsewhere in the house. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so. Do you, these uh, experiences you had, do you kind of attribute it to a spiritual attack then? Is that kind of uh, the angle that you feel was happening as a child?
0: Yes, I do. I do think I had um, like generational type curses, like demons trying to get me since I was little. Probably because they knew which direction I'd be going as I grew up. They didn't want me to go there.
2: Wow. It The fact that you said that really, you almost said it word for word. As to how I feel about that stuff, too, I, I feel like just the just the idea of a satanic entity that's been around since Adam and Eve, you know, resisting and, and, and battling against God. you would think that like he's not omnipotent, he's not omnis- omniscient. He doesn't know the future in the sense of outside of what has been already ordained. Like he can't, he doesn't know my next move. I believe this, Uh, but I think that he's not stupid and he's a long time to observe human beings. And I think that there's this possibility that he sees certain characteristics and traits in children where generally speaking, when you see those kind of things, that child goes in a certain direction that maybe he doesn't want. And so there could be spiritual attacks then that ensue to try to deviate. That said child off course. Is that what you were saying too?
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly.
2: Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, uh, you were raised Catholic and, uh, yes. it, it seems like in the email, uh, that experience wasn't great because you said, uh, raised Catholic, but turned away from a mean God, uh, around 10 years old. Could you go into like, you know, why, why, like at what, what point in this Catholic faith that you were being raised in that, that some experience or what that made you feel like this God was uh, a mean God and you didn't want to follow this God at the age of 10. And then you pursued, you know, witchcraft, Satanism, new age kind of things.
0: Um, it started with like repentance. Um, I remember being told we had to ask for forgiveness through the father, um, like the, I don't even know what you call him, the, Pope or pastors at the church. Um, and I couldn't understand why, like, why, why do I have to do that? Um, well, so you don't go to heaven or, I mean, don't go to hell. And I remember asking my mom, well, that doesn't make sense. So if I don't ask for forgiveness for stuff I did, then I go straight to hell. Um, and she would say yes. Um, and like, or for like lying, I just couldn't understand. I couldn't grasp like, the gravity of it and how she would explain it, um, that if we didn't wear the nice clothes, we would go to hell to church. If we didn't say the right prayer to receive communion, then we would go to hell. If we didn't um, say the right things, then we would go to hell. Like, if we didn't get married the right way, then they would go go to hell. Like, none of that made sense to me. Like, well, if it's that easy to go to hell, then why even try? Because I'm going to fail already. It's how I thought that young. So I wanted nothing to do with that mean, mean God. Wanted nothing to do with it because he was so mean. I didn't see any, any love in that at all. Like, so the gospel was never explained to me.
2: Right. So, like, the accuracy of the gospel message was never relayed to you clearly.
0: Exactly. Uh, because that's a yeah. very
2: common thought process amongst people out there, uh, that, you know, God's a big meanie, uh, that you have to do certain things to be, um, to be considered in his good graces. And there, there, there are good graces with God. Grace is a huge part of it, but it's, it's not as oriented around what you do, but rather who you know. And that's the, yes. that was the disconnect for you, huh? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like so. Even with the the Lot's wife, how she turned back to look at the city and was turned into a pillar of salt. Nobody could explain to me why. Why would a God be so mean to do that to her? Um, but I got all those answers as I grew up.
2: Gotcha. Uh, so that happens. This whole new philosophy in your mind of. Uh, rebelling against God, or um, well, yeah, it eventually did, did lead to that—that uh, that, uh, those actions, rebellion against God. But just this idea of disbelief, this idea of um, not wanting to follow a God that uh, could be so horrible, uh, pushed you into the opposite direction. And uh, how would that whole process start for you?
0: Mm, yeah, big rebellion. I would wear shirts that had cuss words on them, but I would censor myself enough where a teacher wouldn't get upset. Um, I would dye my hair and pierce myself and get tattoos when I was really young, um, 13, 14, um, just doing whatever I wanted because it was more fun. I could do what I wanted. And since I was going to go to hell anyways, might as well make it fun while I was here.
2: Well, that's a very uh, juvenile approach, you know, that that's... <laughs> That's what kids do, right? So, I mean, kids that are rebelling w- would do exactly that. I never had the guts to get a tattoo as a minor because my dad would have beat my rear end, you know? So, um, <laughs> so what, what was it that kind of uh, launched you into pursuing, like, the occult and witchcraft and new age type of things? And what was your experience there?
0: Um, well, I, a lot of it was more jealousy or envy of my sister who... She like, she had things uh, where she could, with her command, basically control the weather. If it got too windy and she didn't want it, she could say, stop the wind now. And within 30 minutes, it would stop. Um, or if she wanted a storm, she would command it to happen and there would be a storm coming in. Um, or there was another time in the front yard, we were doing yard work. I went in briefly and when I came back out, she was like, did you see that? And I'm like, what? She said, a fairy landed on my hand. Um, she described it as like blue or purple. Maybe it was blue-purple. Um, but it was a little person, a little girl, like a tiny mini thing. Um, she said it said something to her, but she couldn't understand it, and then it flew away. And I remember um, our mom asking her, like, are you sure it wasn't like a dragonfly or a bug? And she was like, no, it was a fairy. <laughs> it was a little person. Um. And then she could, she could sense like, like the supernatural. She can sense other spirits, you know, she could be like, you know, this so-and-so passed away, talked to me. And I'm like, why don't I get that? I don't understand. So then um, once I had the opportunity to go into like witchcraft and Satanism, um, I call it an opportunity, but it's not really, um, I would delve into the Ouija boards, do, um, the writing stuff, uh, get tattoos and piercings, listen to all kinds of music, get, get the Necronomicon. I would, um, chant spells and, um, anything you could think of. I was dabbling with blood and uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, but nothing, there was nothing fruitful came of it. So, uh, I just kept getting darker and darker and darker. Um, and that's about the time when some severe depression started hitting, too, where I was like self harming and just trying to find love in all the wrong places, like that song. Um, um, let's see. Just like, oh, and that's about the time, oh, it was a little shortly after, I'm pretty sure I was already out of high school in my early 20s, where. I, I know I was arguing with somebody and I can't recall who or even what I was saying. And I was smacked back. Like I couldn't feel the physical smacking, but the only way I can explain it is I was shoved back about six feet. I was behind myself. I could see my hair, the clothes I was wearing. I could tell it was me. And I'm yelling, like super violently yelling at somebody. And like my arms are flailing, like I'm aggressively yelling at them. And I'm telling myself, no, don't say that. That's not me. That's not That's not me. And I've always wondered what that is. Like, what, what was that? Um, so that's one of the main reasons why I started listening to your show. I was hoping somebody would come on and would explain something similar. So I could be like, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> and uh, I remember going to therapists, asking them, is that multiple? multiple personality disorder? Am I like starting to lose my mind? And they're like, no, that's not how it works. Um, So then I just didn't really have any answers. Nobody could explain to me what happened.
2: So you're going to the counselors about this. They say, no, that doesn't, that's not how it works. Did they have any suggestions for you? Did they say you're just crazy? You should be institutionalized. Did they have any thoughts?
0: No, they're like, I don't know what to tell you what that was. That was it. Like, It makes me, I wish I had gone to like more of a spiritual type therapist, um, somebody that was a believer, and then they could probably lead me in the right path, but that wasn't my path. So I remember just asking, like asking multiple therapists, because I would hop from one to the next to the next, because they couldn't answer my questions. They couldn't get to the bottom of, of what that was or why I was so depressed, why I wanted to harm myself, like... All kinds
2: of things. It's interesting your experience because uh, when I was younger, I was I was crazy, like I was I was nuts, and uh, I often wanted to seek counseling. I often wanted to seek therapy, but I didn't. Wa- at the same time, I didn't want to go through those steps because of what you just described. Like I was, and it wasn't for me. I wasn't thinking along the lines of that I was possessed or I had you know any spiritual as much as just I, I had a lot of rage and anger in, in me. Uh, a lot of scars from my childhood I didn't know how to heal from, and uh I just didn't want to go to a counselor where I felt like they like because I didn't have a lot of money, and I was like i'm not gonna pay somebody for that for me to find out they they're not really doing much for me they're not really helping, and then I gotta find somebody else and then hope that I find somebody somewhere along the line that can help me i i I just would rather just not go and i but um it's interesting now. Uh let's backtrack here for a second. Your sister you were mentioning about how she was like basically the the weather lady and she could control but she could control it so she was more accurate <laughs> than what we see on TV. Um does she dabble in witchcraft or was she attributing this to more of a god god uh spiritual gift kind of thing or or what? Cuz I assume she was raised well, Catholic too.
0: Right, correct. Um but we both turned away at about the same time so she's about 8. Um she's younger. And she seemed like she could see things. She could hear things and feel things, whereas I didn't. Um, So I envied that. that. Um, Yeah, she would change the weather. If she wanted sunshine, she would command it, and it would happen within 30 minutes. Sometimes it was immediate, like the sun would shine through a cloud. And I'm like, how do you do that? And she'd be like, I don't know. Um, I remember messing with the Ouija boards and we had asked different questions like how does she get that and I don't and they said my brain was too big. <laughs> so that that nothing like saying that you have a big head. Um <laughs> uh or it would be aliens. That's what we were talking to. That's what we were told we were actually talking to through the Ouija board was aliens from the planet ABC, um, which is kind of funny. Um but we played with that for over six months. We made our own um we'd be bored and played with that for a while and then things would start moving on their own and we thought it was weird um like for instance there was one time where we were playing with it with our stepbrother and a pair of scissors i had noticed was getting moved closer and closer to his head where if it fell it would hit him in the head probably not seriously injure him but it would hurt um like stuff like that just little things would start moving where little things would disappear um, that I had just used. Like I used a colored pencil to draw, um, a rose and I needed the red to make the red rose. And the red disappeared when I went to the bathroom and came back and it was gone and I couldn't find it for three months. Like where would it go? Or things would always get knocked over. Um, I would turn around and bags of oatmeal or like a slurpee I had would always get knocked over. And I'd get in so much trouble because (laughs) everything was always knocked over. Um, and that didn't stop until recently, until about two years ago.
2: Okay. Uh, so your sister has these experiences first. You're jealous of, and now I understand why you were jealous. Um, now I'm assuming your sister and yourself never had any kind of formal guidance into, you know, witchcraft or the occult. Uh, I'm assuming you guys as kids probably just picked it up on your own But that leads me to the question of how did you pick it up on your own? Was it all through the Ouija board or uh, was there books that you got from somewhere?
0: It was all actually through movies. We would watch movies every weekend with uh, our dad um, when we go from our mom's house to our dad's house. And that was how we bonded was watching movies. So we'd watch three to four movies, go to the movie theaters and watch them with him. And he was a big horror buff. So we watched every horror movie you could think of, every sci-fi movie you could think of. Um, the more supernatural it was, the more we were interested. So we we watched pretty much every movie. Um, and that's where we learned whatever was in a movie. Um, like the movie The Craft. We were more teenagers when that came out, but that was all the witchcraft stuff. So we were chanting all that stuff all the time. Or Hellraiser, you know, with all the... <laughs> Pinhead type stuff or um, Poltergeist um, was another favorite we watched all the time. And I was maybe five <laughs> when we watched that. I remember watching that in the movie theater. Um, so I'm aging myself. Um, but yeah, like all those uh, movies, we watched all of them.
2: Okay. And so that kind of leads to, I'm sure people are thinking, so are you saying that the stuff in that movie w- was uh, real witchcraft as far as spells go or whatever. Um, I personally, and you might think differently, but I personally feel like it doesn't have to be in the sense that like, uh, it's about the will as far as I understand. And I'm far from an expert in this kind of stuff, but I just talk to a lot of people. Right. Uh, but from what I understand it, like even with the Ouija board, I mean, you can make your own Ouija board and it will still function, uh, it's not about the board. It doesn't have to be from, Par- from Parker Brothers from Walmart. You know what I mean? Uh, and so right. is that how you view it as well? Or do you think that those were real uh, spells and stuff that you were learning?
0: Um, I think it, it split. Um, I, I believe they put some real stuff in because they want expert in that field, per se, to make it look realistic. Um, and also some, I mean, could be made up uh, if you're dabbling in that kind of stuff. The enemy will take every opportunity to come in, what no matter what the intention is, if you got that open door, they'll use it,
2: okay. Uh, that, and that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I, I just uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, all this stuff is interesting to me. I, I enjoy this conversation very much. Uh, so you mentioned kind of about the getting pushed and things like that. so you're you're some you're some summarizing basically that, You believe you were possessed, and and how long do you think you were possessed in your life?
0: Uh, mm, That's a great question. I just know maybe 10 years, if I were to guess. It's so hard to know because you don't really know that you are, that you have demonization, that you are being oppressed. Uh, It's not in your face, at least for me, it wasn't. Um, I just thought something was wrong with me, like me and my will, um, until I couldn't control it, like wondering why I would have fits of rage and couldn't control it or wonder why I wanted to harm children for no reason at all, or wonder why like a four-year-old should not have lustful thoughts. That's just not natural for a child to have thoughts like that. So, um, like where do those thoughts come from?
2: So I know and I, I can't remember if you mentioned it here, and if you don't want to go into, it, that's fine. But I know in the yeah. email you mentioned about how um, this this possession. I think you were equating to the possession, but or no, is the memory loss the memory loss that you've I- experienced throughout your life? Uh, and sometimes memories come back to you, uh, but you equated it to sometimes abuse that you went through, but also abuse mm-hmm. that you. Uh, inflicted on somebody else, or maybe uh, something else. Uh, could you go into any of that, as far as like you know what you experienced and how you equated to the memory loss?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. I, well, I went to therapy for that as well because I had PTSD, pretty bad. Um. After my uh, second divorce, um, it it was a lot of physical, sexual, and verbal, emotional type abuse. Um. Like. Looking back at it, I should have stepped out of it. But when you're manipulated and groomed over years to think a certain way, thinking that you're a bad mom or thinking that you're a bad wife, um, just that being drilled into you over and over and over again. um, And somebody who can manipulate that situation can really abuse the power they have over you. So, from that, I don't remember. I don't remember a lot. Uh, A lot of times people tell me what happened and I'm like, Oh, I don't remember doing that. Or I don't remember that event taking place. Um, a lot of times in therapy, I had to work through stuff that I still don't remember to this day, but I knew like something bad happened in the garage. I just don't know what, um, or I knew something bad happened in the laundry room, but I just don't know what. So I had to work through, um, the trauma side of it. Just so I wouldn't have uh, like horrible anxiety uh, whenever I was going into um, like sitting in a chair in an office chair, and if somebody were to approach me from a certain direction, I would have like a, almost like a panic attack, which is a reaction to a trauma. And for that specific instance, it was because I was choked um, by my ex-husband, and to the point where I could not breathe, and I didn't know if I was going to survive the next minute. So. Um, that would be why I would react in that way. I don't react like that anymore. Thank goodness. Um, so I've worked through a lot of those traumas. Um, but yeah, I know there's big gaps. I don't, I just don't recall people like my sister or friends would tell me, um, do you remember when your ex-husband would slam the door on me? Um, coming out of the car. I, I don't recall that. Um, or friends would say, do you remember the time you smoked a bong? And I'm like, I have never done that. They're like, yes, you did. You were like an expert. You're showing everybody how to do it. And I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't do that. They're like, yes, you did. There was witnesses there. Um, to this day, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Um, stuff like that. Uh, just have good gap.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting. Um I mean not in the jovial <laughs> sense, but very interesting. I uh when I was a kid, and I think I probably mentioned this before, but I'm a one-person show here, so uh sometimes you hear repeat stories. But uh when I was a kid, uh I had a really bad childhood in this neighborhood I lived in. And my family, my dad got a job driving truck at Pitt Ohio and life financially got better for the family where they could move out of the trailer park. And we moved to a whole different school district. My dad asked me, he's like, do you want to stay in the school district or out? And like, get me out of here. And, um, so maybe like a month or two later, I go to visit a friend who lived on the outside of the trailer park, but not far away. And he used to always come and hang out with us, uh, in the old neighborhood. So I went to his house and we went to the old neighborhood. Uh, and it was just, you know, a kid thing where, you know, it's a bad environment and stuff, but you still go, I guess, um, uh, nostalgia gets to you, I guess. I don't know. But uh, we would go down and we're hanging out with kids and they were all pretty nice to me now that I wasn't living there, you know? And this one kid, I remember, I'll never forget this. I, I can't remember his name, but they told me, they, they, they're like, oh, so-and-so is here or whatever. And he sees me and he uh, goes, dude. And like, like in a surprise, like he can't believe he's seeing me. He runs over and like pretty much jumps on me and gives me this big hug. And He's like, how are you? And I'm like, who are you? And everyone's like, you know who this is. So, and so I'm like, I really don't remember you. And they're like, shut up. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just kidding. I still to this day have no idea where this kid came oh from. God. Like none. And I don't know if it's because he was one of my bullies. I remember my bullies. One of them listens to the show and he, he treats me like, you know, he never bullied me and you know, it's behind me now. But, uh, the, the, in my mind, one of the most major bullies in my life growing up, I have a burned image in my head of him to the point, like when I told you earlier, I was crazy when I was younger in my early twenties, I just happened to come across him on Facebook because Facebook recommended him as a friend to me and I was crazy. So I, I saved his picture on, on my phone and i drove back up in that area several times looking for him cuz i just wanted to beat him down like i was angry and this kid from this memory i still don't I, I i don't know who he is or where he came from but everybody told me i was supposed to know who he was and so i don't know if it was a trauma kind of thing where you know i just mm-hmm. blocked it out um when it comes to your ex and the abuses there uh did you ever have a situation where you had an anxiety in a certain area or something in front of him. And you're like, I don't know why I feel like this. And he just kind of kept his mouth shut. And he's like, I know why, but I'm not going to tell you if you don't remember.
0: Hmm. I not thought that I can recall.
2: Okay. I was just Mm-mm. trying to, I was just trying to paint a picture of how much of a douche he is, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, all right. So, We're kind of transitioning here into more, it seems like more adult life stuff. And it seems like a lot of these experiences uh, still continue throughout your adult life up to even two years ago, like you mentioned. Uh, There's a very specific point, though, in this email uh, that I'm running through here. I'm kind of just running through it in order. I'm not sure if it's all totally in order, but uh, you said in 2012-ish. Uh, you got born again as a Christian. People that are listening maybe don't know, that means you became a Christian, you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And um, you learned how to cast out demons that were still in your life, like rage, uh, strongholds with lust, uh, uh, generational curses. And then you said within the last two years, so I'm assuming this was an ongoing process for you. uh, Could you just kind of maybe talk about that a little bit as far as like, what was it in your life that kind of turned you in that direction and what was the process like going through these experiences of understanding, of casting out demons and the different things going on?
0: Um, the process that started was uh, when my daughter, my youngest, um, was injured by her dad, my ex-husband. And um, then the whole court process, I was talking to friends and they said, come to church with me, just come with me. Um, and luckily it was a church where you didn't have to dress up um, and they would play uh, secular music, um, so there is a good thing for those kinds of churches um, where they have the smoke machines and <laughs> the lights and the loud music, and I could relate to that as somebody that didn't want nothing to do with God, to, with Yahweh. and um, I felt accepted that first service that I went to, um, and I kept going every week, um, following Resonating with me, um, the scripture part wasn't yet. It was still hard to hear, um, but everything else made sense. Like what he was talking about, the pastor made sense. Um, and I kept going and kept going. I still couldn't say that I was more of a believer. That was more in 2010. Um, but it took a couple of years for me to say, okay, I I believe he was able to answer questions through all the services that I had had when I was little. Um, like explain what's the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not a rock, Hapodesh, Like what, why are there three, but they're the same? Nobody could explain that to me until I went there. Um, so moving forward, uh, I remember asking Yahweh God for help, um, help me get through all of this hard stuff, the divorce, making it on my own as a single mom of two. Um, like, trying to make it in the world, like working my job, plus going to school full-time, um, just trying to make things work on my own. Um, as more time went on, uh, the court stuff was over, um, and then I met my, my husband I have now. I was actually told before I met him, about a month prior, and, and now I know it's the Holy Spirit telling me you will meet him at church um, so I made sure I didn't miss a single service little did I know it meant at a singles group through church um, and that's where I met him he wasn't a believer but he was invited by his friends who went to the same church so we all met at uh, playing volleyball um, and that's how we met um, and I just kept going to church and eventually he followed me to church and he is now a believer, especially after seeing all this stuff with casting out demons. And that didn't come until oh, about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, when it was the Holy Spirit, Dorova telling me, now's the time to fully repent and clear out the system. I guess that's the best way I could think of calling it. And that's with after having multiple things in the house, like tapping Things moving, things getting knocked over all the time, um, dealing with lust, lustful thoughts, um, just things that I couldn't stronghold, that I couldn't break free from, things that I couldn't control or just will my way out of it. I would still have those rage fits and feel horrible afterwards, screaming at my children or my husband or anybody, like, why can't I control myself? And so I started looking up prayers because I didn't know how to pray um so I started looking up prayers and found one on spiritual warfare and that to get through that prayer, it took a good twenty minutes of speaking the prayer and I remember doing that for a little over a year every day, day in day out, um, yawning a lot, sneezing a lot, coughing. things would distract us like the cat running around or the dog barking things that would distract me from saying the prayer. Um, but consistently over time, like I could see the light, like things I could have more control. It was easy. It wasn't like a struggle with myself and my will, my willpower. So then I was learning to trust in Yahweh and God and Jesus, Yahusha more and more every day, put my faith, my belief in them.
2: So your husband that you have now, uh, was not in the faith when you met him. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool that for him it was seeing is believing. And so even through through knowing you and the things that he experienced brought him to
0: faith. That's pretty right. cool. Right, yeah. That's pretty cool. He used to have sleep paralysis that haunted him since he was little, um, as an example. And as I was learning how to cast out stuff, and use our power and authority in Yahusha and Jesus. Um, one night, I remember him uh, making these weird noises. And I thought, okay, maybe he's just dreaming. Um, and he eventually was able to talk and say, help me. And so I remember getting up and I was like, what's wrong? And I was able to shake him, like, what's wrong? And uh, he's like, "There's, there's... Something attacking me, and it's right over there. And I couldn't see it, um, but he said it was like a shadow, like a staticky shadow man um, being. And which at that point, since it's attacking my husband, I got mad and and said, "In the name of Yahusha, I bind you and I rebuke you and I cast you out." And I pointed to the window to tell it to get out. And at that moment, uh, our uh, light sensor for our front light turned on and we could see it through the window blinds turn on at the exact same moment. And at that moment, it, I think it is when he was like, okay, he, there's something to this.
2: So what, when you say that you saw it, do you mean saw the, the light turn or do you mean? Correct. Okay. All he, right.
0: he could see, he could actually see the shadow thing leave like in a whoosh, um, like as I commanded it to leave, I couldn't see it, but he could.
2: Was this something that he was dealing with his whole life or was it something that was more? Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, He said it picked up as, <laughs> after he met me, like more activity happened. Um, but yeah, he, it was something he's had since he was young.
2: So he wasn't unfamiliar with spiritual attacks then? Did he attribute it to it as a spiritual attack or was it more like a haunting to him?
0: Um, I think he thought of it more as a haunting and he nobody had really explained anything like that he never told really anybody because it's embarrassing for him um telling somebody that he was attacked while he was sleeping and couldn't move um but now that we're talking to like colin in the uk um who's also with our ministry uh that he has sleep paralysis too so i was like no oh, there's other people and then as he's listening to confessionals he can hear all the other testimonies of sleep paralysis and then he's not alone in in that
2: yeah and and just let the audience know i have already uh interviewed colin it hasn't aired yet it probably will air well i don't know when this interview is going to air so it's hard to tell people right now but uh <laughs> it, it, it probably will air before what you're hearing now so um You know, Hector's interview was a member show. So at least Colin's or yours will definitely probably be a public show so people can hear how this whole thing happened. I mean, uh, Hector was a big uh, pushing factor for some people in my show. And it's, it's whether it's like you and Colin, who actually, you know, are now working in that ministry with him, to other people who just was like emailing me saying, Holy cow. That opened my eyes a lot, you know? Um, I, I believe that some episodes really do impact people. And, and there are people, everybody has their own place they're coming from in life. And so depending on the subject matter, it will affect people differently. Uh, but I, for me, on my end of things, when I put a show out, sometimes I just get a sense like this show might really impact people. More than maybe some others would, and in a, like a positive way, you know. Uh, I, I think putting out a Bigfoot show could impact people in a sense where people listening that have had a similar experience can get impacted, where it's like, "Wow, somebody else experienced that too." Uh, but this is more like spiritual kind of thing. And when I was putting Hector's show out, I wasn't sure how that was going to go because I was affected in the sense that I literally saw my brother get healed in the moment when Hector prayed for him. Hector, before we started, wanted to pray for us. He said he had a sense that we were, we had some physical ailments. And, and uh, Jack had said that he has shoulder pain. And it was consistent for a long time. And I looked at him like, you never told me that, bro. And uh, so Hector's praying for it. And, and Hector's like, do you feel like a sensation in your shoulder or something like that? And Jack's like, yeah, I do. And, but the pain was still there. So Hector kept praying and Jack's face, like his eyes got real big, and he just had this really stupid look on his face, like, what is happening and me and Jack were raised in in a very very Pentecostal environment. We believe this stuff happens, like our grandfather I've talked about it plenty of times on the show, he was very much involved in healings, and so we we know these things happen, neither one of us ever experienced though and uh mm. and jack's Jack's shoulder was completely healed and I haven't talked to him about it in a while, but I remember like when I was producing Hector's show, it was probably about six months later, getting ready to air it. I asked Jack and he said, My shoulder's fine, absolutely fine. And so uh, I knew that for me personally, that interview had a very impactful thing for me. But I wasn't sure if other people would feel the same way because I just don't know. I mean, we have a very, very diverse audience uh, people coming from all aspects of life, some people listening. Are very much involved in mysticism, uh, the occult. Uh, some are just straight up uh, Satanists in the way where it's like it's not that they, they believe in Satan. It's more of an atheistic rebellion kind of thing. And then there's some that pursue witchcraft and they they truly are Satanists where they they hail Satan. Uh, and then we have Christians. We just have plain old atheists. We have people who are more new age. We have a very diverse audience. And so I just don't, I didn't know how it would affect people. I just was, I didn't know. And when I put it out, the the, inter—the when I put that interview out, the emails that I got, I was just like, holy cow, like there's something going on here. (laughs) And then to find out that at least two people that heard that interview are now actively participating in that ministry. For me, as the host of a show that puts people's experiences out, it's very gratifying to know that we were able to do that for people. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. 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 And we still get requests in from the email that Hector put out and we still pray for people. Great.
2: Yeah. It, 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 it's it's awesome. And now that you said that, I would like to mention um, here on this part of the show, because if it's okay with you, I'd like to do a whole other segment with you because we're running up on the first hour here. Um, if, you, if you have time, I'd like to kind of hold you over for an overtime segment.
0: Sure, sure.
2: Okay, cool. Uh. So on this segment, I'd like to just tell people this Hector that we're talking about that kind of started this role, probably maybe even, I don't know, let me ask you this. Do you think that if you never heard Hector's uh, interview, do you think you still would have contacted me and be on the show right now?
0: <laughs> mm, that's a great question. Probably, I would almost say I would still be sitting on that email.
2: <laughs> Understood.
0: That was, I feel like the Holy Spirit and wanted me to, well, he told Hector to tell me, and I also received it as well to lead the ministry. So, yeah, um, and to get on the show so I could tell that to everybody and we can move forward with that, the ministry.
2: So is Hector still involved in ministry and you're just leading it now?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's correct.
2: That's, that's really cool. And the fact that he heard it from the Holy Spirit and you did as well, uh, what, what came first, Hector or you? Hector. <laughs> that's even cooler. And it also shows yeah. there's there's no ego involved here as well. I mean, for instance, it it would be very humbling for me. Like I mean humbling in the sense of I'd have to humble myself greatly to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit that's telling me that I should hand my show over to somebody else. You know what I'm saying cuz I like this show like Hector started that ministry. I started this show. I built it from the ground up. At the time we're recording right now, we just came out with episode 324. It was a member show. So I've been doing this for a very long time. And it would be a, a huge, humbling experience for me to fee- to be that convicted to hand something over. And the fact that he felt the the polling like that, you did too. And then he humbled himself enough to follow through on that leading. I think it's really cool. I really do. Uh, and We're talking a lot about Hector and I just want people that are hearing this, uh, that maybe never heard that member show. Maybe they're not even members. If you're interested in Hector though, in this ministry, uh, what was the ministry called again? It was, uh, prayer, it was the centurion eight, one,
0: three.
2: That's what it was. That's right. Uh, and that, that's actually the, uh, the email address too. And I kind of, is that still the email address? Yes. Okay. So I want to put that out for anybody, because if you're interested in what you're hearing right now, uh, and maybe you want to contact this ministry, uh, it sounds like Stephanie is the person that's heading the charge on it now, uh, but Hector's still very much invo- involved. I know Colin's involved in the UK. This is a global ministry now. And <clears throat> the uh, the ministry, again, is called the Centurion 813. It's a prayer ministry. And uh, the email is the Centurion 813 at gmail.com. That's the Centurion 813 at gmail.com. And just for people, because maybe you're not so sure how to spell the Centurion, uh, obviously it's the, uh, Centurion is C-E-N-T-U-R-I-O-N 813, the number's 813. So the Centurion 813 at gmail.com. And you can contact uh, Steph. Hey, Stephanie, are you the one that handles the emails now? Yeah. Okay, great. So, uh, if you reach out in that email, you'll get Stephanie, and she is leading the charge on the ministry now. That has uh, how many people have you guys got in the prayer ministry now? I know we have at least three. Is there any more?
0: Yes, there's six of us.
2: Okay, and are they? Are, is is uh, Colin the only one that's in outside of the United States, or is this more people outside the U.S.?
0: Um, Colin so far is the only one from outside the U.S. However, those that we're praying for um, are looking for more. And a handful of them are looking to either join our ministry or start their own separate ministry, doing exactly what we're doing.
2: That's awesome. And you guys are helping guide that process of getting that started?
0: Yes, yeah. Yep.
2: Fantastic. So uh, to summarize, friends that are listening right now, Stephanie has gone through a, a vast array of uh, spiritual attack in her life, and uh, it went through a lot of her childhood, and she kind of painted the picture as to you know what she's been through. Uh, that led her into going into the occultism and then how she got out of it. Now she's happily married and it's a it's a equally yoked marriage. And uh, she's now heading up this ministry, which is a very powerful prayer ministry. And I can say that because I experienced it myself, not my personal physical body, but I was in the presence of my brother being healed. And to this day, he doesn't have any issues as far as I know. I'll probably ask him again today when I see him. Uh, so, Stephanie, thanks for joining us here on the first segment. Uh, If you're a member, hang tight. Just go to the website, to the overtime segment, and there'll be a whole other overtime segment with Stephanie right there, right now, waiting for you to listen to. Uh, Stephanie, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Mm
2: Well, that's the show, but I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show, just share the show if you enjoy it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. Thank you very much for tuning in, friends. Just a reminder, this is an overtime show available to members only on the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com and the Castos app. If you're a member, you can log in and get it there as well. Thanks for being here, friends. That email that we were talking about before is centurion 813 at gmail.com, available in the description of this episode. Go ahead and email them if you want part of the action when it comes to the ministry or you need prayer and you want healing, because I can honestly tell you, it happened right in my studio in Pennsylvania before I moved. Jack and I were sitting there. Jack's shoulder was busted up. I didn't even know it at the time, but he had bad shoulder. And when Hector prayed for us, Jack's shoulder was healed. And to this day, it is not giving him problems. So its uh, I can only tell you what I saw firsthand. It actually happened in my house. And uh, a lot of people have been benefiting from this ministry over the years since it's been broadcast on The Confessionals. If you want to hear that original episode, if you're a member and you want to hear it, go to episode 227-227. That is the initiation of Hector on The Confessionals, who has been popping up several times throughout the show's existence, and not because of Hector. He's only been on once, but several people have been in communication with him, have witnessed the experiences of God healing people through prayer, and that's available for the members episode 227. All right, friends, thanks for being here. If you're not a member, I'll see you next Tuesday, but until then, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye.